Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival. For decades, literally decades, oil companies have been dreaming about being able to drill in an Arctic wildlife refuge in northeastern Alaska. Now, they may finally be on the verge of being able to do it, but the question is, do they even still want to? Hello and welcome back once again to Parts Per Billion, the environmental podcast from Bloomberg Law. I'm your host, David Schultz, and I'm back from vacation and raring to go. Today, we're going to head way, way, way up north and talk about ANWR, the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. It's millions of acres of wilderness in northeastern Alaska, and if you've heard of it, it's probably because politicians have been debating for decades about whether or not to drill for oil there. Don't believe me? Here's President Obama in 2015. It supports caribou and polar bears, all manner of marine life. And here's Alaska Senator Lisa Murkowski in 2009. Uh, drilling operations in Arctic waters. And here's former House Speaker John Boehner in 2008. Uh, they're going to great lengths uh, to ensure uh, that uh, that they can produce this oil in an environmentally sound way. And here is current House Speaker Nancy Pelosi, also 2008. You have the go-ahead to drill here. Why do you want to drill in the Anwar? Any, any One more. Here's former VP nominee and then Senator Joe Lieberman in 2005. One of the reasons I wanted to go to the Senate was to fight to protect the Arctic refuge, the Arctic plain. Here's President George W. Bush in 2001. And bring more energy into the marketplace. And a good place to look is going to be Anwar. And here's Joe Lieberman again, but this time all the way back in 1991. In all of that, our capacity to produce the kind of oil we're going to get out of uh, the refuge at its most optimistic will be a minuscule factor. So, yeah, we've been talking about drilling for oil in the Arctic for a long, long time. So long that you might be skeptical if I were to say that this time it might actually happen. But this time it might actually happen. This week, the Interior Department announced it plans to auction off drilling rights for ANWR as early as later this year. That comes three years after Congress included a measure in its 2017 tax bill that forced the Interior Department to do exactly this. Jen DeLuey, an environmental reporter with Bloomberg News, has been reporting on ANWR for quite some time, and she says that while this is a significant step, we're a very, very long way from seeing oil derricks pop up near the North Pole. Jen spoke to us about ANWR and about what exactly it is. Well, so the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge is a 19.3-million-acre uh, stretch of wilderness in northeastern Alaska. It's an area about the size of South Carolina. We're, you, the reason we're talking about this is because of oil because there it sounds like there may be not just some oil underneath the the refuge but quite a lot like how much are we talking in terms of 
what they think is underneath that refuge. It's, it's huge. We're talking about potentially huge amounts of oil. Government geologists have uh, estimated that the coastal plain might hold between 4.3 billion and 11.8 billion barrels of technically recoverable crude. Uh, they have seen in, in seismic research, they've seen large underground formations that hint at vast deposits of oil and the potential for discoveries to produce oil for decades. So this is the kind of you know mammoth discovery or prize that oil companies really want. And it's one of the reasons that this area has been so attractive to the oil industry for so long. Right. And exactly. So long is, I think, the operative word there, because I've been hearing about this for decades. Like, I remember back in the George W. Bush administration, they were talking about this. And it sounds like it goes back even further to the early 80s. Why has this area been talked about for so long, but nothing has happened there for 40 some years. Well, it's actually even further back than the 80s. I mean, people have been fighting about the Arctic refuge since at least the late 1970s, even before Congress actually established the refuge. In Anwar, you have an iconic wild place. This is an area that's home to Arctic foxes, caribou, polar bears, uh, more than 200 species of migratory birds. But you also have potentially these tremendous amounts of oil and gas. And so those two are really in tension. And for decades, we saw that tension over whether to allow this area's oil potential to be tapped or to fully protect it kind of play out in Congress. Lawmakers, you know, they set up this clash in, 19, in the 1970s. They decided to uh, kind of punt a decision on the coastal plain. The coastal plain is a 1.6 million acre area. And uh, that's the area that we're talking about uh, for, for oil leasing right now. But Congress in, in 1980 decided, we'll put off that decision. We'll say that oil development can happen in this area. Uh, but we're not going to mandate it. And for decades, they fought about whether to hold lease sales. That ended three years ago when Congress uh, authorized oil leasing in this coastal plain. Congress authorized oil leasing in the coastal plain on the promise that it would generate $1 billion in revenue to partially offset the tax cut overhaul three years ago. Oh, I see. So, okay. So this was the way this came through Congress, even though it had been stalled for so long, is that it would generate revenue that was necessary to fund the tax cuts from uh, from 2017. Right. The budget maneuver is exactly how this came to be. It was premised on this uh, promise that we're going to bring a lot of money into the general uh, treasury uh, to offset the $1.4 trillion tax cut. So let's talk about what the Interior Department just did this week. Uh, I get the sense it was actually something that was pretty expected, given that you know, as you mentioned, uh, three years ago, Congress uh, allowed uh, oil drilling to go forward in this uh, Arctic wildlife refuge. And now the Interior Department is taking the next step, it sounds like. That's right. The Interior Department took one of the final steps toward holding a lease sale in the refuge by deciding to formally authorize an oil leasing program across the entire 1.6 million acre coastal plain. They actually chose the most aggressive leasing option and specifically ruled out narrower plans that would have put more limitations on oil companies uh, or in some cases block development in more sensitive parts of the coastal plain. Interior Secretary Bernhardt uh, was very emphatic in, in stressing to reporters and other stakeholders that he believes Congress didn't just give the government the option of selling leases, but instead actually mandated these two lease sales before the end of 2024, and then went further by actually requiring the Interior Department to provide land access with easements and rights of way to facilitate later oil production. So his argument is that 
you know, not only is the Interior Department's hands tied with leasing, but in fact with facilitating a development program later, making sure that oil companies can get to their leases. Um, and, and, you know, his confidence is not shared by everyone. Uh, while that may provide some extra assurances, it doesn't mean that auctions are set in stone or even if lease sales go forward that oil companies will be able to secure the permits they need to uh, drill for oil or even develop their discoveries. Right. And actually, the land access is something I really want to get into in a second. But first, I wanted to talk about the congressional deadlines. So it sounds like because of the law that was passed three years ago, the, at least according to uh, the current administration, the Interior Department had to do this. There was no choice. This is mandated by by Congress. Um, would that have been the case, uh, even if this had been a Democratic administration or an administration that is more at odds with the fossil fuel industry? Um, would would a Democratic administration still have had to take the same step? It's arguable. Uh, and, and certainly they could have done things and, and could do things to limit the attractiveness of uh, a lease sale. So, for instance, a differently minded administration, at the very least, could have set up very high barriers to development. And even at the lease sale stage could make the minimum bids so high that no one would ever want to bid on them. We're going to take a quick break for a moment, but when we come back, Jen explains why this is a very strange time to be auctioning off oil drilling rights. Stay with us. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. You need a company with extensive experience in specialized insurance. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and helping provide coverage that suits your needs. The Hartford offers insurance solutions that help mid to large-sized businesses like yours effectively manage risk from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. With extensive experience in underwriting, risk engineering services, and claims, The Hartford goes beyond the expected to deliver innovative, customizable solutions and service that your industry, that your business, demands. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. We're back and we're talking with Bloomberg News' Jen DeLuey about drilling for oil in the Arctic National Wildlife Refuge. Jen says so much of whether this drilling plan will actually happen depends on the outcome of this November's elections. There is a lot a future administration can do uh, to, to quash this. It's not set in stone at all. There's so many opportunities for a future administration to make it difficult for oil companies to take advantage of leases or even cancel the uh, consequences of a lease sale that's held this year. Well, let's get into that um, because, as you mentioned, we may have a new administration as soon as January of uh, next year, depending on the outcome of the election in November. Um, I, I saw a lot of headlines on this that said that, you know, this is the Trump administration trying to, trying to tie the hands of the uh, Biden administration should it lose in November, that this would still go forward even if uh, Biden comes into office. But it sounds like from what you're saying, that's not really the case, that it, it would be actually pretty easy for a Biden administration to to basically, you know, undo what the what the Interior Department just did. 
Right. There are so many avenues for a Biden administration to stall development. Uh, I think the first real opportunity or, uh, you know, uh, avenue for them could be through litigation. Environmental groups and Alaska Natives have already vowed to challenge these these leasing plans in court. And so a Biden administration could decline to defend the Trump administration's lease sale decision or settle those cases by agreeing to redo the whole thing. and, and if oil companies succeed in securing Anwar leases, for instance, if there's a sale this year and those leases go out the door, a Biden administration could make it almost impossible for them to do anything with them. One environmentalist told me the other day that every single permit would become a potential barrier. And for any single project in Anwar, there would be potentially dozens of those permits, you know, animal take authorizations, clean air permits. They're just endless opportunities uh, to really stall development. And and frankly, we saw this play out before. You know, Shell uh, won its leases to drill in Arctic waters in the Chukchi and Beaufort Sea in 2007 and 2008. But, you know, its drilling program really didn't start until 2012 through 2015 and was constantly uh, challenged by the inability to get permits. Uh, and that's kind of the template uh, for, for what might happen here. Uh, there's one other really interesting thing to watch, and, and it's the timing of a lease sale. Even after an auction, it takes a few weeks for, uh, at least a few weeks, for the government to formally vet bids and issue formal leases. And if Biden were to be elected and take office before those formal leases are issued, his administration could simply not cash the checks and rip the leases up. Oh, that would be interesting. <laughs> wow. Um, well, the the last thing, though, I wanted to talk to you about is the logistics of this, because we're talking about uh, the government auctioning off the, the rights to drill oil in a pretty remote area. As you and I both know, the price of oil is really, really low right now. Does anyone actually want these, uh, you know, these oil drilling rights, I mean, not just because the price is low, but also, as you mentioned, this is a really remote area. It's hard to get to. Who, who actually is clamoring to to buy the rights to drill oil here? It, it, it's not clear that many companies are clamoring at all. It's not even clear what companies will be interested. And, and it's, you know, because of all of these barriers, as well as the potential, uh, you know, the, the cost calculations, uh, because you're right, you know, remote northern Alaska is a costly place to operate, and that's especially true in Anwar, which uh, doesn't have the ready-made infrastructure you see in the North Slope and other parts of Alaska. Uh, in general, oil companies are making investment decisions on this scale, uh, of this scale, on a, a multi-decade timeline. It's not so much about today's oil prices, but uh, about what they think oil prices and demand will be a decade or so from now. But right now, the collapse in crude prices and demand really has spurred a retrenchment by the industry. You know, they're looking to cut back, not actually invest more. And uh, and some of the potential bidders, smaller oil companies that were potential bidders, have paired operations and, and done some restructuring that means that they may not be able to show up to bid. So those are those are all obstacles. And I would say that it's not just finances or even infrastructure. Some large oil companies that may have been really interested in Arctic drilling rights a decade or two ago are now making sustainability pledges. They're not likely to to want to risk a public backlash given the Arctic drilling uh, controversy. That's right. I hadn't, and that's another angle that I hadn't even thought about, which is the PR angle, because this is such a high profile area. I mean, people who you know have no. Uh, you know, people who don't follow the energy markets at all know what Anwar is, or or at least have an idea of what it is. And 
you're right. I mean, you know, that is another reason why maybe some of these companies don't want to bid on this is because it's such a hot potato. It's such a, or, you know, to mix metaphors here, it's such a third rail uh, when it comes to oil drilling. I mean, I just have to imagine that, that there's just not going to be a lot of interest in this, right? Yeah, I mean, and especially if a sale happens after uh, November 3rd and if Biden were elected. But, I mean, really, the reputational risk is, is not at all, the PR risk is not at all a, uh, a fantasy. Uh, again, you know, I think back to, to what Shell endured and went through, you know, when it tried to drill in Arctic waters, also extremely controversial. They lost, I, I mean, they walked away from that campaign, not just because they didn't find oil, but because it, it, it is just not consistent with their branding and where they want to be going as an energy company today. I can imagine a lot of other companies will uh, be wary of that same PR challenge. That's it for today's episode of Parts Per Billion. If you want more environmental news, check out our website, news.bloombergenvironment.com. That website, once again, is news.bloombergenvironment.com. Today's episode of Parts Per Billion was produced by myself and Josh Block. Parts Per Billion was created by Jessica Coombs and Rachel Daigle. The music for today's episode is A Message by Jazar and Nightwalk by Paolo Conti and Benoit Medrakowski. They were used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks for listening, everyone. Office-based startup WeWork has officially postponed a plan to go public. WeWork is having trouble finding investor demand at one-third of the $47 billion price tag. The real concern is Adam Newman, the CEO. Everything is on him. His performance will determine this. What went wrong? We'll take you inside the company with interviews from people who helped build WeWork and exclusive tapes of internal meetings where Adam talks to his employees in ways he'd never speak in public. None of us want to look back and say, I could have done more. This could have been bigger. This could have been better. That's not acceptable. You do not get a chance like this again. None of us do. This is a new podcast from Bloomberg Technology called Foundering. Check us out. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your industry is unique. It faces its own challenges and risks that set it apart. That means choosing just any insurance company just won't cut it. At The Hartford, we take pride in knowing the ins and outs of your industry and help provide solutions that suit how you do business, from liability and property insurance to workers' comp and more. At The Hartford, we don't just talk about specialization, we live it. Learn how The Hartford can help your business at thehartford.com. Collaborate for a greener future at the Bloomberg Green Festival, a groundbreaking celebration of the thinkers, doers, and innovators leading the way. From design and culture to technology, science, and entertainment. Hear from inspirational speakers and immerse yourself in climate solutions, July 10th through 13th in Seattle. Title sponsor, Amazon. Official airline, Alaska Airlines. Get 20% off using promo code Radio20 at BloombergLive.com slash Green Festival.